Welcome to the Who's Left podcast, a show about Indiana politics, history, and culture from the unapologetic perspective of the Hoosier left. My name is Scott Aaron Rogers, and I'm recording from Bloomington. Friends, welcome back. And um, thank you for your patience. I've been away from the show focusing on my family after the tragic loss of my son Lane last month. I won't retell his story here because I will become a sobbing mess and never get through the introduction, but I did post several written pieces, including the eulogy I wrote for him over at scottaaronrogers.substack.com, which express my emotions far better than I can in this space. But I will summarize the most recent of those uh, pieces thusly. Having experienced the worst imaginable loss, um, having known true grief, really, for the first time, I think, some things just don't seem as important anymore. And for me, that's been my day job. Now, I uh, understand that is a privilege most don't enjoy, and I have been extremely fortunate to have the time and space I've needed to grieve, uh, and that we barely have the means to keep us afloat for a bit. But this devastating loss has changed me deeply, and... I feel called to do something different. Uh, This is not to say repairing, remodeling, and renovating aren't important. They are. I mean, we're talking about people's homes. But I think I have some ability, some talent, not a ton, but enough, uh, and a platform here that, used correctly, can help lessen the amount of grief and suffering here in Indiana. How? Well, by working full-time to call out Hoosier lawmakers, their financial backers, and the networks of people actively working to make our lives worse, by cutting education, cutting health care, cutting gaping holes in the social safety net. Those whose policies kill children via environmental degradation, lack of access to necessary health care, and lax gun control laws. Those that ensure more parents will experience that same grief I feel. And I can't abide it. I will work to highlight these bad actors so we can replace them with more empathetic leadership. I will also shine the spotlight on Hoosier activists, organizations, and elected officials who are working to build a more just, equitable, and compassionate Indiana. But I can't do this without you. Right now, the only income I bring to my household is from this project. I rely on your financial support from paid subscriptions over at scottaaronrogers.substack.com. For five bucks a month or only $50 a year, you can help me to push our state in a better direction and help my family in the process. And I get it. Not everybody can afford a paid subscription at this time. You can still help. Subscribe at the free level on Substack. Set your favorite podcast player to auto-download new episodes of the show. Uh, Please rate and review the podcast on Apple or whatever platform you use. Follow me on social media at scottrog78, that's S-C-O-T-T-R-O-G-7-8, on Instagram, threads, and the platform everyone still calls Twitter. Facebook.com slash who's left, that's H O O S left. And on Mastodon at Scott Raj 78 at Hoosier.social. 
Most importantly, please pass on the word. Forward the newsletter to a friend or a colleague. Don't just like, but share on social media. Record the show on a mixtape for your crush. Consider it a small investment in Indiana's future. What will you get for your investment? A full-time who's left looks like new content every day, either written or audio, and hey, maybe video at some point. It looks like full coverage of the 2024 election cycle in Indiana and beyond. And it looks like zooming out to see how the forces at work in our state function nationally and even globally. And though I'm looking at special features for paid subscribers, would anybody be interested in a private chat group or a Discord, maybe? I do not plan on paywalling any content because I believe in open access to information. So your support helps make that content freely available to all Hoosiers. This begins today with our first anniversary special and a whole week of new content. Episode number one of the podcast uh, dropped last year on February 14th with my friend Tom Levon as the special guest. Tom is back, and we reset the table, putting the current crisis of social breakdown in historical perspective. Tomorrow, Chelsea McDonnell, director of outreach for Mad Voters Indiana, returns to discuss what the crisis looks like in practice as Republicans sow grief for their citizenry at the Indiana State House with terrible legislation. Wednesday, chairman of the Monroe County Democratic Party David Henry joins the show for a talk about fighting those efforts via the two-party system, why it works the way it does, and the benefits and drawbacks of working within that system. Thursday, Indianapolis City Councilman Jesse Brown returns to the pod to discuss his first month-plus on the council, coming into the party and then government as an outsider, and some of the resistance he's faced from fellow Democrats along the way. Friday, I'll have a new written piece uh, on Substack, and I hope to have you aboard for the full ride. Today, Tom and I return to the topic we discussed in Episode 1, our current time of historical crisis, through the lens of William Strauss and Neil Howe's cyclical generational theory of history. We discuss our current, uh, our current period of polarization, how it mirrors other tumultuous periods in history, how we collectively forget the lessons learned during those difficult times as those who remember them pass on, how certain bad actors recognize this and push on society's fault lines to destroy the social order, and how we must understand this if we are to create a new social order based on fairness and empathy. Here's my interview with Tom LaFont. Welcome back to the Who's Left podcast for the third time now, I third, believe. Third time, yes. Tom Levon, there we are. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. So, um, let us rewind the tape to about a year ago. Episode number one of the Who's Left podcast. Tom Tom here was my guest. And we began this show by sort of talking about the, the era of crisis that we're in. Right? The, the, the crucible. We are in the ship, right? 2024 uh, is a difficult year. And we put this in the context of sort of the generational theory um, first proposed in a book by, oh uh, God, Strauss and Howe. Was it Neil Strauss and William Howe or William Strauss and Neil Howe? I don't but there were names um, and there were places Michael, i'll tell you that yes so anyway they 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 developed this kind of generational theory of society and um if you recall the the the, the basic premise is that uh 
society's social time moves kind of in a uh, a, a cyclical cycle, like like the seasons, you know. Um, whereas, like Western historians and liberals often kind of view the progress of social time as linear, right? You know, the, the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice, right? Um, a, a lot of traditional societies have, have viewed time as cyclical mm. like this. Okay. And so they introduce the concept of a saculum, Oh, that's a fun word. I haven't heard. <laughs> it is. It is a fun word. That is some quality Latin right there. And it basically means uh, a period of time equivalent to the length of a long human life. So 80, 85 years, somewhere in there. It, it, you know, it always doesn't line up perfectly. But for example, okay, um, these 80 year cycles, if you look at the, the, the troubled crisis time we're in now, 80 years ago was World War II, right? A time yeah. of crisis for the Republic. Um, 80 years before that was the Civil War, right? Um, about 80 years before that, a little more was, you know, right in the, the American Re Revolution, the Constitutional Era. Um, so you can see how... There's sort of these these cycles in just in American history where there's an era of crisis and a struggle and then like a new consensus is built. Right. Um, and they, 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 they liken this to the, the, the seasons as we were talking about. So, you know, after you have your uh, your your crisis event, your war, whatever it is, <laughs> your life. Uh, yeah, yeah, your 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 winter of discontent, right? Yeah, you emerge into a new spring, a new kind of social order, right? Think, um, if you will, of like the po like post war America, you know, mm -hmm. the fifties, the 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 time everybody points to is like you know the height of uh american power and the height of american exceptionalism yeah yeah i, I feel like i feel like that's where that myth originated from i i say this i say that i see the look on your face this like what? well no i mean no it's 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 true so yeah you've got you know you got your that's your 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 high and that's gonna last about a generation yeah right um, so, it, it, you know, you get to the, the late 60s, the early 70s, um, you start to see rifts in the social order, right? You got your student protests, uh, you, you know, your, your race, race protests, you got Dr. King and RFK and Malcolm X and, you know, the assassinations, you got um, all of that cultural turmoil, you know, around the Vietnam War era there. Um, as the social order kind of begins to fray, like people have an awakening, right? Like in the, in the, as the social order is settled after the crisis event, right? There's sort of like more, like institutions are strong, um, like social conformity, is greater, you know, uh, society is more cohesive, right? <clears throat> every, like, th yeah, you, you think of the 50s and every black and white and everybody, you know, picket fences and suburbia, and, you know, all that. Yeah. Ign ign ignore all the horror in the background, right? The, uh, yeah. you, you know, the whitewashed America of the 1950s. As you get to the 60s and 70s, people are like, uh, hey, you know, maybe the social order isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And uh, there are there are people on the outside. There are yeah. outsiders that have are saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we're, maybe maybe we didn't get any of the social high, but we're left out of it. Or, hey, maybe there's, uh, you know, other ways to do things. Things are very conformist. Maybe we should leave room for more like a... Uh, uh, individual uh, individual solutions, right? And as you get in 
so that's your that's your that's your your summer of the of the period, right? So you've got the the high the spring. Everybody's you know happy and united, right? To to be through the crisis times, and then uh, that sort of slowly falls apart, and people are you know introduce their own unique twists on things and have this uh, awakening to all the you know the way things could be, right? And as new ideas are introduced into the system, it sort of unravels. So if you look at, um, in our country, the, you know, from the, the eighties through the nineties, the Reaganism, um, into, into the bushes and even Clinton, um, the, the neoliberal order takes hold, you know, um, we, sort of systematically dismantle the institutions of, like, the New Deal, right? The FDR era. Um, dismantled, hollowed out, privatized, and and the old order begins the to ultra, ultra-capitalism drive sort of starts kicking. Yes, yes, the ultra-capitalism, exactly. Unconstrained, unregulated, free-market, you know, uh, no, no, no room for the commons, everything, you know, privately held that brings us to a crisis period. And I think we've essentially been in one since like 2008, right? Um, the, the market crash, you know? Yeah. I, um, it's, it's, it's a crisis of capitalism, right? Like all of the benefit of the old system, all the structure, you know, all the, the high taxes, the social cooperation that went into, to borrow a term, making America great, right? All that stuff got hollowed out uh, to where basically just, you know, the top 1% owns everything now. Yeah. And and we're kind of living in the consequences until we can build a new social order. Uh, and that's the crisis era that we're in, right? You know, the the, the Tea Party, right? the response to the Obama presidency by the white supremacists, then, then the, the, the Trump era and the, the, the chaos that has ensued since, right? This is all a crisis of neoliberal hypercapitalism. The system has failed. We're living with the repercussions of that. Uh, Tom, you know who Antonio Gramsci is? Oh boy, I sure don't actually know who that is. I don't even think I've heard that name. Antonio Gramsci was a like Italian communist who was imprisoned during most of the uh, Mussolini era. Okay. okay. Uh, best quote ever to describe this time. He says, the old world is dying. The new world struggles to be born. This is the time of monsters. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and I think that perfectly encapsulates what we mean by this this crisis era okay so we're in the shit right we're in the shit we've been in the shit for 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 several years and both the far left and the far right are kind of taken enthralled by this you know the four turnings here uh, Steve Bannon, you know who Steve Bannon is, right? The I believe a, a vague understanding of Steve Bannon. I could see that strategist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, wor- worked in the Trump White House for a while, former, like, Breitbart editor. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The like, War Room podcast. It's generation, but it's probably just alcoholism. Uh, dude, yeah, man, for, for like, this is a powerful, influential figure, figure on the far right, like way more than anybody knows. Um, and he is a sloppy looking motherfucker, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he rolls out of bed after a bender and like threw on three unbuttoned shirts and that was, (laughs) that was his outfit. Like, I, I mean, I hate to sort of go off on a ad hominem attack branch, but he looks like he stood outside in direct straight line, like 40 mile an hour wind that is under, it's like negative 15 degrees. Like his face looks not super great. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, 
Like, hey, you okay? To death if it wasn't for the brandy, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like when you show up at work and there's a new guy. Is he like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh no, no, he already, is, he always. Uh, anyway, no, no, no. Look, look, I, I, I always hold space to to rip Steve Bannon. The man. <laughs> Listen, this this is a safe place to talk shit about Steve Bannon. One of the most dangerous people. Yeah, pe- most people. But anyway, one of the, he's, he's go ahead. going going back to what you you said his accolades are. He basically controls like a, a media outlet. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's the thing that people you know. It seems like you know people will forget about this, and it's like, oh yeah, Trump's so dangerous. It's like, hey, it's the, it's the people who like <laughs> control your media that allowed him to like kind of have that place to do that. It's a, it's yeah, he's dangerous, but it's like you're kind of missing. We talked about this a lot in the pre-show, missing the forest for the trees. It's like uh, you're kind of missing X, Y, and Z here of how this happened. You're forgetting things like this guy who you don't want to look at again, who we've just talked a bunch of shit about, is actually really dangerous and has some con- contribution into it. And people like him, not just him. Well, let's not give him too much credit. It's it was a lot of. A lot of places, a lot of uh, a neutral, quote, neutral ground. Your Facebook, your your Twitter, your throwing. Oh yeah, a lot of these. Well, he's behind the whole um, Cambridge Analytica thing. And if people don't know about that, look it up. The whole Cambridge Analytica scandal is basically Bannon and uh, other far right allies worldwide had access to people's Facebook data to figure out basically how to control their minds and i'm not talking brainwashing i'm talking about like algorithmically uh, algorithmically putting content in front of them that's going to get them riled up and um or or rock yeah. your brain and either one works really yeah. um i mean it's it definitely demog- it's, it's demographical it's like oh well you know you show this to enough uh late gen xers baby boomers they're gonna lose their mind and they're gonna dig deeper and think that all this bullshit that's wrong is true um there's like a child sex ring under a pizza place shit like that and they'll believe it you know they, you, you you find the, the little things and then the algorithm suggests more things and you know if you presented some of this stuff to them outside of this algorithm they'd be like that sounds stupid and ridiculous but like you get them to believe it. You get them to think it's the truth that they believe. They'll believe. They'll believe it all day. Get 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 somebody to think your idea is their idea, and you want. You know what I mean? That's what you know. There are people in this, like Steve Bannon, who probably understand this. People who don't, like I don't. I don't feel like Mark Zuckerberg really. I, I don't really think he's. I think he's kind of apolitical. He's like whatever I need to do to get this platform to. to further my goals it's sort of that's the neutral battleground of the the negative neutral side of things is in a in a oh yeah yeah kind of it, way yeah capital is apolitical in that it, it 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 doesn't care how it makes money it just needs to keep growing and making more money yeah um but you you you, you hit on something you know we we're talking about riling people up and and you know the the bannons of the world who and he, who's aligned with like russian fascists like alexander dugan and uh georgia maloney in italy and marine le pen in france and victor orban in hungary and uh gerd wilders in in the netherlands like all these far right ethno nationalist figures okay um but they used targeted attacks on the internet um, directed at people, you know, in America and all throughout the West. You know, it's not just us. They did the, the England, the Brexit thing. That that's same people. Uh, putting polarizing, divisive information in front of everybody. You know, just bombarding us with it. Um, to to get Western countries to to tear themselves apart from the inside. Right. You find you find the, the cultural push points and you and you push those buttons and rile people up. And they, you know, they did uh, back in 2016. It was a lot of like impersonating 
um, Americans or American organizations or creating like fake organizations or whatever from, yeah. you know, like Russian pot farms or whatever. But now it's just like amplifying people who are already divisive. Yeah. Or, right. or Elon Musk, putting... your Tucker Carlson's, your, uh, you know, Glenn Greenwald, Ian Miles Chong, uh, Andrew Tate, all these assholes. Uh, Miles Chong recently almost getting killed <laughs> in whatever country he lives in. You know, oh, they missed. Well, I mean, he had he had to basically lie through. I say lie through his teeth. I think tell the truth through his teeth to his own government. Was he? He's in Malaysia, right? I believe so. Which is prominently Muslim, which I didn't know. Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, he was big time supporting Palestine on not Palestine. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, he was supporting Israel on Twitter. And, uh, boy, they, uh, that sure is illegal there in Malaysia, uh, to do that on social media. So, uh, somebody found out and, you know, he had to, he had some splaining to do. Uh, this triggered a avalanche of people on Twitter being like, oh, Ian Miles Chong. Oh yeah. He was that guy that, cause it's also very legal to sell drugs in Malaysia. And people were like, oh, yeah, that's that guy that hooked me up with Molly in a clinch when I visited my family in Malaysia. Just like, you know, putting a lot of heat on him, which I'm sure that's less so because he's not posting it, you know. But like you know, people are like, you know, fuck you. Here's the because he's a mouthpiece, right? Like he doesn't. Yeah. He's, he's a bad person, bad guy. So uh, he left himself vulnerable. Um, also isn't American, has never lived in America, uh, seems to be a, a self-proclaimed expert on American culture and politics and uh, culture yeah. war stuff. Uh, a weird. Only thing I can say about that, bizarre hobby. Bizarre, like, thing to make your personality around. These people are all complete fucking weirdos. But, yeah. but, 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 but you know, a lot of them are very skilled propagandists. And uh, it's very effective. Again, like I said, this this whole you know fourth turning thing very um, useful or not not useful, but like uh, fascinating for people both on the left and the right. Like you know, I'm I'm terribly interested in the whole thing, you know. And um, but Bannons and 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 those folks are um, their goal is to form like this red brown alliance. Have you heard this term before? Um, I haven't. It sounds sort of, I, now, uh, if I were to extrapolate out some meaning there without knowing, it sounds like the, hey, my, like, social conservative in-group that is politically higher on the social scale than your sort of neutral working man group, we want to be, we want you guys on board. Like, the, that's how, sort of what it sounds like it is well okay so the red is uh you know communism right that's the, the, the you know the, the the color of the communists and okay. brown refers to brown shirts the color of the fascist oh and, and okay so uh, a red brown alliance is what what these ethno-nationalists are are trying to forge right they want to combine leftist populist economics with um you know, fascist, conservative, hierarchical social values. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so basically, th this I'm out. gonna I, I gotta stop you right here. This feels like a very um sort of as opposed to the normal normal adverse thing that I feel like I deal with. I don't, I'm like really there's like this is happening. It feels weird. It feels like a weird like we already have. Conserve like uh, conservatives with more uh, uh, capitalist policies that they want mm -hmm. with with like almost an independent uh, libertarian feel is like what I see being like the arguments in government now. Like that's like the sort of yeah. the other side uh, of it, and it feels so like. Uh, the brown red alliance i'm like where are you where who 
you guys aren't probably going to do well. <laughs> like, anyway. Well, okay. No, think about it like this. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, if you look at, like, the Republican Party in this country, okay, they're kind of at war with themselves. You've got your your libertarian, your 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 neoliberal hyper-capitalism side of the party. That's yeah. your, uh, you know, your your Koch brothers, like that kind of donor network, right? Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, your your bank people, your Jamie Dimon from Chase, um, you, and Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney and those kind of Republicans, right? Yeah, your old money. Business first, yes. Well, but now you've got these MAGA fucks, right? And they're like, you ever hear them go after woke capitalism? Personally, like, no. But yeah, well, okay. They, 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 they will criticize woke capital. Well, like, 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 like they're 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 losing their shit over Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Right? Uh, yeah, right? they don't. They're 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 the things they go after. They don't claim it's woke capitalism. They claim it as a culture war thing. Of like, it's always a psyop. It's the deep state. It's the deep state liberals that is like almost a new concept and all of this. And it's like, but it's always like over nothing. It's like that's just how capitalism works. Um, I can see what you mean now. I can see what you mean, but it, it's a, it's weird to extrapolate that out to uh, liberal um, like e- economic systems. To, you know, like that's like, like oh, okay, it's, but it's like kind of well, go after woke capitalism is yeah. Like I didn't I I didn't see the two sides of the coin there until you put it in the terms right now. I'm like okay, okay. There's nothing woke about capitalism. Right. Absolutely. Okay. You know, they look. They slap a rainbow or uh, on something, or uh, you know, recycling logos or some shit or what, whatever. You know, for like, black light matter shirts. They don't mean it. They're just own product. It's a. It's yeah. a. It's a mark. It's like, and, and okay. I think a part of it too is. Uh, I, I say part of it. It's just something that I want to point out here. You're, you brought up the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. It's almost like trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find woke capitalism. It's like Taylor Swift only said to vote. The most milk toast, like I, I have something to say. I'm getting paid for an ad campaign type of thing. Not even a divisive statement. Yeah. But it is because if everybody votes, if the Taylor Swift fans vote, it's just the majority of how people normally are. You know, it works against you. So you're like, it's a psyop. It's like, it's the, if it is, it's the dumbest psyop I've ever. It's not probably a psyop. Like, and I say that knowing full well it isn't a psyop. It's just like, it's wild. Uh, you know, it is wild. We, it they is have wild. to find. They have to find things to pitchfork. Uh, in a way that's just like if you have, if you take five fucking seconds to think about it, it's like, well, obviously that's not the case. Somebody just paid her money to say vote, and it's like obviously like, it, it you know. I'm not voting is more of a left sort of sentiment I've heard more often than not as a as a statement piece. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've heard I've heard in general I'm not going to vote because I don't care as a general statement. But you hear I'm not voting is more of a left thing. Uh yeah, like a protest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um you have swaths of the right, like we were saying, the Republican Party's at war with themselves, right, who are actually rejecting capitalism, right? Like, like well, Taylor Swift's a billionaire, okay? Like, she's got more money than God. Travis Kelsey's a football player for the National Football League, which is, like, the most capitalist uh, enterprise you can imagine. It's, it's the only the reason football is popular. Leader. When did the Republican, you know... <laughs> Why did the Republican Party lose their shit over the football player and the cheerleader? It's the most traditional conservative thing you can think of. But capitalism does, and for all for all its problems, respond to market pressure. Yeah. And the mood of the general population anymore is toward more liberal social values. So whether or not capitalism actually believes it, they're going to put rainbows and Black Lives Matter and you know, uh, uh, on things. And so you have it. They reject, reject that. Yeah. Okay. They don't like the market pressure that capitalism is responding to. It's a, it seems like a very narrow thing to sort of be like, like hone in on. 
in this uh like like they feel like outsiders very much outsiders in, uh, in this i this group that we're talking about here seems very uh like i can't imagine what this political body is because like when you say the red red brown alliance type of people thought process they feel very like on the like the fringe of it. Yes. But we hear about it because it's like is about coalescing the fringe around the center. Yeah. Okay. Because um, think of American capitalism as the center and you've got, you know, large chunks of uh, traditional Republicans and a lot of Democrats, way too many Democrats who are in thrall to the, the free market. Right. Mm. And then you've got your MAGA types over on the far right who are like, fuck capitalism it allows liberal social values into our uh, culture <laughs> and then you've got people on the left who are like no fuck capitalism these greedy fucks are like keeping uh large amounts of people in poverty okay there are legitimate criticisms these folks these bannons and other fascists are trying to align these two groups so think think left populist economics spread around the wealth okay um, but only for the right people. Right. Okay. So only for the, the folk, that's a good German term. Right. Like that's, it's, it's nationalism plus socialism. Um, there's a term for that, Tom. Party membership. <laughs> it's Nazism. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's just reinventing Nazi. It's Nazism with extra steps. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. I, I was thinking. I was like thinking this the whole time. I'm like, it just sounds like how like the Nazis operated because of the like, oh, you're part of the party, so you're part of the in group. You get this, but it's also like, yes, and, yes, and, it's all about in group output. And and so the what you've described here too is, um, it feels. Like a ship built to wreck. I, I feel like with the past, I don't know, like 30, 40 years of cultural sort of like nomenclature about a certain way to be or ideologies to it's a little late in the game for this specific ideology. And what I mean when I say that is they've spent the whole like cold war and after still kind of like degrading the ideas of communism or like leftist sort of, uh, you know, policies and to, to come now in the late, this late in the game and try to use some of those policies in your own platform, but also with your other, your, your other bullshit that is like, if it, it, it's so, incongruent with itself you know what it really I, reminds me of you know what it really reminds me of I, i'm sorry if i'm being a little unclear here that the uh it's the, it sounds like the biggest problem with the left in america is that now you have too many idiots with different opinions saying different things that don't work together and your party is now discord and, and like we have a it's like you know the i, I i'm gonna take this out for a minute and give you a story I went okay. to, I, uh, when I was uh, still living in, in Bloomington. Uh, I took part in like this uh, protest for um, IU professors. Uh, I forget exactly what it was. It was about pay and and the treatment of the professors at IU. And there was a big walkout and this, that, and the other. Um, and it was really kind of my first big political protest. Um, maybe not, no, because I definitely been into some. Um, pro-choice things before that but it was much more organized at a pro-choice thing than it was this like student sort of student teacher alliance thing at iu and um i i just realized i was like wait why are we doing x y and z here and somebody i knew just looked and they go classic classic liberalism i'm like what because we were basically giving ground um to police that were like hey we you guys need to do this and I'm like, why are we doing this? We're here. We're protesting. We are disrupting everything. And that's the point. Why play? It's also a college campus. And, and to really over explain this, it's not like we are blocking emergency vehicles or anything like that on the roads, the streets, it's on a college campus. We're not on roads or streets except for one time. 
And it's like, it is the point to disrupt everything. And there were people who, uh, I remember going into, into classrooms and turning off lights and being like, we're at the walkout. And the guy that was with me, who was some random person who just followed me in there, was like, what are you doing? You're crazy. He was like, we're going to get in trouble. It's like, yeah, we're in a protest. We might get in trouble. <laughs> you didn't sign You didn't sign up for this? This is what the, this is what the description was. Is to disrupt everything, protest, like, this is for education, basically. And that was my first taste of, you know, people who are placating the authorities, people who are not on the same page as me, and everything kind of being an unorga unorganized mess because everyone is has too many of their own ideas in it. And in the left sort of viewpoint, that's how you want it to be because you're not being, you know, controlled by an ultra nationalist party or some, some bullshit like that right and to kind of bring this back to my point seeing that and seeing how the left and leftists work in our country and in general and are getting into arguments with people who are different within my own sort of thought process like in sort of my own leanings as i am like it seems like now that's happening to conservatives in america this, this whole thing you've described seems like just utter chaos and utter, like, they're not going to agree on this. And I don't know where they're going to end up. It sounds like one side of the boat, the the propeller is spinning one way and the other side spinning the other way and they're just going in circles. Like, I'm not sure when you break this down apart, what's going to happen. Like, like I think that you may be, have more insight to it than me, but I'm like, the next election, I have no idea what... Republicans are going to be who the Republican frontrunner is going to be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Is that like like the mess that I feel like they're in? And as a in a bigger sense, in a forest sense, I don't know where right leaning people are going to be in this because it seems like now they have too many ideas and too many uh, sort of fields of idea uh, ideology about it. Just like the ideas left of uh, right and left. Um, uh, the axis that we're fighting on is changing. I mean, that's that's why now is a period of crisis, right? That the system that we have built, the hyper capitalistic neoliberal system, sucks, right? It needs to change. It needs to be dismantled and put back together, right? I like to I like to use the analogy of a house, right? This thing's got major foundational problems that need repaired okay we need to get in there you know we need to we need to jack up the house change some things uh you know put in a new beam put in some new joists and you know, set it back down right um to avoid causing a major harm and disruption to people's lives mm -hmm. the far right the brown the far left the red they see that situation that we have now sucks right i mean we all like I, I think we all agree right like okay neo cap neoliberal capitalism uh is, is broken it doesn't work and now we're arguing over the social order we want to put together in its place right yeah so the red brown alliance is about it's 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 accelerationism Right. And I've written about this a little bit They're They're both just trying to speed up the destruction of the current system. Um, however, be damned, you know, and then then we can fight about how to how to build things in the future. Um, I I'm sorry. I think the, the, the left is far less organized and stands no chance of winning that fight. So I'd rather undertake the um, the these these slow um, deliberate rebuild. Because I think if we blow the entire thing up, uh, the people with all the guns are going to win, Tom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, you, you look at, you know, we can, we can go back and look at Russia as a good, uh, maybe the Soviet Union as a, as a good uh, viewpoint on this. What happens when you build your house on, on, uh, you know, uneven ground? It's like, that's, that's the reason I feel like, in an oversimplification kind of way, why I feel like the uh, communism never really got a good hook in because it was already built on the bones of a corrupt government 
that had nothing and all it was was kind of rebuilding the same kind of corrupt like it's like a tearing down a, a, a house that had rot damage and using the same wood to build the house kind yeah, of it's like it's just it's just a do it's just oh instead of the floorboards rotting it's the walls now is how it feels well and you know and you you've 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 got a point and i think the, the you know the american system was built on uh white supremacy and we've never properly uh addressed that foundational issue and i think that's part of the uh uh major remodel that that needs to be undertaken like we, we've we've had we, you know we've had this like in fits and starts right like you know we fought over this social order before in the 1860s and um had a chance to do that thorough deliberate remodel um you know in during during reconstruction and uh, abandoned it part way through yeah and you just don't want to see the same mistakes of the past repeated and that i think is kind of the um the central point i want to make here today right uh there was a british historian named arnold toynbee who said quote when the last man who remembers the horrors of the last great war dies the next great war becomes inevitable end quote and i think right now the the world war ii generation the people who went through the last crisis they're mostly gone. And so you've got these accelerationist red-brown types who are just itching for war, for suffering, for major conflict. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they believe in, like, the cleansing power of violence, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, probably a little traditional glory-seeking, like, forgets, forgets that this sort of conflict is not grand. Yeah. So... The people from those times who were on the front lines of their their crisis times remember the horror. They remember the the grief and the death and 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 the feeling, the 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 hollowness, uh, the, the just the, the the burning emptiness, the, the horror, just every inside of you when you're surrounded by grief. And, um, I, yeah, there too much of their message has been forgotten, I think. And the whole fourth, fourth turning, you know, generational theory has been, um, kind of oversimplified mm-hmm. and explained as like, you, you've, you've, you've all heard this. You probably, you're, 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 you know, you're uncle probably posts it at thanksgiving uh facebook <laughs> right like hard times create strong men who create good times which create weak men which create hard times right that's the oversimplified yeah. uh thing which, which sounds like okay right okay look we're we're in hard times right now right we've we've agreed upon that we've established we're in hard times these fascist types are advocating for strongman rule. Uh, think Trump. Think Putin. Think Netanyahu. Okay. The guy in the room who shouts the loudest is right. Yeah. they, And they think that kind of guy is going to bring good times. Right? And that, you know, the good times bring weak men. The irony, and I think what's misunderstood, uh, and why this is a poor simplification of the theory is that um the 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 strong man as it were the strong man stereotype you know um isn't actually a strong man they are weak men you know trump netanyahu putin orban you, you pick them any of you know your your uncle ron who likes to flip the thanksgiving table because you know you brought your purple-haired girlfriend all over them. <laughs> they think they're strong men, but, like, they're only half people, you know? They, they've <laughs> only developed... They've only developed the one part of themselves. They, yeah. they the only... The, the, you know, the, 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 the quote-unquote stereotypical, like, masculine side, right? They're... 
They, okay, you ever see the guy that's, like, fucking swole and has these, like, massive muscles, like, just giant fucking Hulk Hogan 24-inch python biceps, and he's got, like, little scrawny chicken legs? <laughs> yeah. That's these people, right? They've, 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 they've buffed and worked out their, their, their angry, their powerful, their, uh, violent side, right? And haven't worked on their... <clears throat> empathy or are, their caring are you, are or their loving that people are missing the forest for the trees about the judgments of these other people <laughs> i i <laughs> is that what's happening is that that's think, the name of this that's the name of this episode scott is uh the forest in the trees let me tell you that right now but i i see where you're getting at here it's like uh, they 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 see something that they are a either lacking themselves b like are like attributing to success that is not necessarily like uh bad it's like oh yeah all these toxic qualities that's what strength is it's like you have an antiquated view of people and what's what's even good on an interpersonal level and you're attributing it to governance of millions of people and it's like that's bad that's bad you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. The um, the strong men, the real strong men, that create good times are, I believe, those who have seen grief, who have suffered, and who work every day, who are determined to make sure that no one else has to suffer like they did, yeah. right? That no one else well, has to feel that suffering. That like work in war and hundreds of millions of people dead doesn't ever happen again. Yeah. Those are the real strong men, you know, who, who lead with empathy. And it is the weak, half-developed, uh, you know, skipped empathy day every day at the gym, guys. Uh, you know, how often do we see, like, I have to imagine, I have to imagine that there, there are at least some vets that have toxic traits. It has to exist. There have to be people who have seen conflict that don't, you, know, you want to believe that, like, experiencing this would change a person. And it, I think it yeah. usually does. But it's interesting that we haven't seen you know, their, their golden calf, as it were, to be like this guy right here. And it's some, somebody that's like, oh yeah, he's experienced this sort of thing. And he come out, comes out the other side being like, yes, we need someone like me who is strong. Like, you know, you don't hear that a lot. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's, there just isn't anybody like that because the experience will make you a different person than what they are pointing to and saying, that's what we, that's what will fix everything. Or if they just, they're just not finding that. They haven't figured that out. I don't know. I'm hypothesizing maybes over here. If you want to take a look at a historical example and rewind to uh, the last crisis era and coming out of it, okay? Um, who was the president of the United States during the era people think of as that high, that, that post-World War II picket fence, you know, era was Eisenhower, right? Mm -hmm. That man was a, a, a general. He saw the horrors of war. And this is the architect of D-Day. You know, like, he, yeah. He's he, he seen some things, man. <laughs> and, and so, after that, we built the institutions, theoretically, to keep this from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at the time, Republicans were pissed. Eisenhower was a Republican. Other uh, other Republicans were pissed at him. They thought he was a communist because he he basically kept the FDR New Deal order in place. This is a man who had seen the horrors of war, and 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 knew that the social safety net, taking care of others, um, social cohesion, these things were important in preventing the next war and as we are are now seeing as we come to the end of like the the, the reagan era right the the neoliberal era where greed is good 
individuality has become the uh commodity you know we're, oh yeah the motto right um the social order has fallen apart and um uh, fucking all right i'm gonna get weepy now because we've 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 not talked about this on the podcast yet right this is gonna be our first episode back after uh a little bit of an absence here okay my um i've written about this on my sub stack uh but i've not talked about this with our listening audience i don't know if everybody who listens reads or vice versa but um my 19 year old son passed away uh a little less than a month ago and it is the most painful burning grief you can imagine and i would not wish this suffering on my worst enemy not even steve bannon and i i i don't know i tom i can't just sit here and 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 do nothing you know i i i i understand we're in this shit you know i saw it a year ago i you know i we've we're 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 haggling over the world right now that we want to build in the aftermath of this crisis period okay um having known that pain i cannot stand by and just let grief and killing and just be perpetuated i just, i uh sorry the world I mean, that no, we build it's, 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 it's a yeah. very it's it, you know it's sort of the same things we've been talking about you ex you experience grief if you if you have the the ability to do so i believe there we we know there are people who do not have the ability to do so but uh you experience yeah, they're, they're sociopaths or psychopaths yeah, yes yeah yeah you experience grief uh you kind of empathetically are like i gotta stop this uh, from happening one way or the other it doesn't matter what it what it is but it's not hard to extrapolate out things that will you know uh you, you stop a and b from happening uh the c is the grief that you stopped you know uh it makes a lot of sense uh that that's where uh people end up being um i mean i think there's like a couple of ways you can go about it right it can either yeah. be like I'm I'm an ego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepared to die, right? I'm not I'm not a I'm not a fighter. Uh, I'm more like I'm an ego Montoya. You killed my father. Let's get to work making sure nobody else's father dies. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, yeah, you know, there in this in this instance, there isn't a uh, six fingered man to kill. You know. <laughs> But your your opinion on that might have changed if there's a six fingered man you can kill and it start starts fixing everything. Uh, but you know, but so often than not, uh, people don't like to admit this. Uh, just kind of on uh, mindsets, uh, there isn't some magical like assassination that will fix everything. There isn't a perfect yeah. number of people to kill to fix the world's problems, and that is like. Uh, it's uh, way easier to do that a lot of the times. It's like, oh yeah, just take out Osama bin Laden and it'll all be over. It's like that did that didn't stop yeah. anything. That didn't stop anything. Like, uh, you know, and to some degrees, uh, there might be some truth in that, but it's not only solely because of that. You know, when when Hitler blew his brains out, did that stop World War Two? No, but it, it probably helped. Probably helps the it go along a little bit more but you know it's one of those things people want something easy uh but you know i feel like you have the reality on your face it's like nothing's n nothing's ever that easy it's work uh, working on this to stop uh grief and pain and making the world a better place is not uh this grandiose grandstanding action uh it's a lot of work it is it's a lot it's of some small boring work and you know, the, the yeah this 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 accelerationism like you know the thing the these folks are trying to do is 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 like a cheat code they think okay well we're gonna we're gonna tear down the system and rebuild it from scratch right um they don't want to do the hard work of you know a full complete remodel but we're we're arguing over how the next saculum is going to look 
right? Mm. We're we're arguing about the social order. If, if we if we accept this theory, that's going to be in place for essentially the next eighty years. You know, the high, the awakening, the unraveling of the crisis, yada yada. Um, eighty years from now is twenty one hundred or so. Okay, um, climate change is a thing. You know, global warming is a thing. Um, mass extinction is a thing. Like diminishing natural resources. Um, is a thing you can you know uh there is no such thing as infinite growth on a finite planet right we are arguing now this crisis era we are in now is about the world we're gonna put in place to manage that yeah right um are we going to be able to wind down fossil fuel use and uh, you know, make a sustainable, livable planet to prevent extinction of, you know, mass numbers of species, right? Are we going to be able to do that, to build that world, the one I assume you and I want to build, right? Or are we going to have the world that the Red-Brown uh, uh, Alliance uh, is, is, is trying to build where if we just kill enough people, then there will be plenty to go around. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and you, you kind of paint a, uh, a depressing picture. I have, I have something I, I, you know, this is, this is very reassuring when I heard it and I didn't think about it. And, uh, it's something that we all, at least people our age probably remember. Uh, you remember that hole in the ozone layer? Uh, I do remember the hole in the ozone layer. Uh, you know what you haven't heard about in a long time? That yeah, we the both fixed it, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and how do we, you know, uh, people were freaking out. You know, that was definitely like a big part of, hmm, I wonder how we did that. Well, then people will be like, wait, we did that? Yeah, we did that. We stopped doing the thing. Uh, people actually attributed a lot of time and manpower, or at least like mind power, into yep. stopping that. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of people I hear have a sort of, when you bring up climate change and uh, you know, what 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 extinction is it? The sixth extinction? Um, uh, yeah, I'll have to check. I believe it's the sixth extinction. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, people are like, uh, sort of are like, you know, they throw up their hands. And I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up! Like, uh, that's not how this is. Like, we have every opportunity to like uh, fix it. Uh, you know, you you may be you know, there may be such a thing as, uh, you know, thinking that capitalism will ruin the world uh it also has you know you could also weapon like it's not just money that takes this there are a lot of people who care uh so it's like it you know maybe maybe also use some capitalism to fix it i mean that's a i don't like saying that but it's like if you make saving the world profitable you know your capitalist societies are gonna profit on it so that's a possibility like there's a lot of ways to save the world and just don't like, like, I don't know. People get too, <laughs> they miss the forest for the trees on, on subjects like that. It's like, yeah, there's a whole other, this may not be your tree on, this may not be the tree that saves the world, but maybe all the, maybe something over there it is like, you know, they uh, nihilism it, is, yeah, I mean, that's totally out. Yeah. I, and I get it. I get it. It's easy to, uh, miss the forest for the trees when um, we're in a crisis period and you've got trees, you know, coming at you uh, every day as fast as they can. You know, we are all we are all Sonny Bono here. Um, and you don't have time to zoom out to see the forest. Oh, crisis is coming at you fast. Um, you know, you said... There's more than one way to save the world, and I will disagree, and I will say there is only one way to save the world, and that is together. Uh, Tom Levon, thank you for uh, joining me here on this uh, special, special first anniversary episode of the Who's Left podcast. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate being here. Once again, that was my good friend Tom Levon. 
Let's summarize. Just as happens every four generations, the old world is dying while the new world struggles to be born. We are currently right smack in the middle of that fourth turning, that crisis generation. Social breakdown in America, war in Europe, war in the Holy Land, democracy backsliding globally, while ethno-nationalist authoritarianism rises, including in our own country, in our own state. We are in the midst of a struggle to define the new social order, the order that will define the next 80 years, the framework in which humanity must fully take on the challenge of climate change, lest the next seculum-defining struggle, four generations from now, be for the survival of the human species itself. Do we want the new era to be defined by justice, fairness, and equity for all people? Or... Will that era be defined by hierarchy, dominance, and mass suffering? The forces advocating the latter are better resourced and better organized, and better armed. Building the wildly diverse coalition necessary to overcome them is like herding cats, but absolutely necessary for a humane, sustainable future. Next time, we'll zoom in on the future that Indiana Republicans are trying to build. Spoiler alert, it's not great. Join me and Mad Voters Chelsea McDonald for that conversation tomorrow. Until then, this has been the Who's Left Podcast. I'm Scott Aaron Rogers. Love each other, Indiana. Indiana.